Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running, 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 running. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed, 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 Welcome to the Selected Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and clearly I'm taking this voiceover way too seriously. Well, all right, all right, all right, you have found it. This is the Selected Podcast. I am your host, Dan Taylor, and we are the droids you're looking for. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is episode 21. I feel like we're all grown up now. You know, as an American, 21 is a big moment in a person's life. That's when they can legally... drink in the United States. So I do feel like it's a milestone. Uh, Coming back at you this week, we had a little technical uh, mix-up last week. Basically, my guest is a fucknut, and uh, he couldn't put the date in the diary correctly. So we had a little bit of a a wires crossed there, but I got him back. So let's not waste any time, because he's got to take his kid to school tomorrow morning, and I don't want to keep him up too late. This gentleman is... The evangelist and core contributor to the Sierra Network, a privacy-first decentralized financing platform where you can privately swap, lend, and convert your ERC-20 tokens into their private equivalent. I have no idea what that means, and that's why I've got him here. He is a former weekly columnist with Forbes in New York and The Telegraph in London at the same time. He is the founder of Mob76, where he helps grow and sell companies by opening a vast network of influential people across the tech ecosystem. And if that wasn't enough, he's also venture partner at 7BC Venture Capital, a fund exclusively focused on investing in and supporting artificial intelligence, fintech, and software infrastructure startups. He is the co-founder of BlockSpeak, a weekly video podcast that interviews people like me, no, not really. Not really. Like, much smarter than me. Oh, and he's also appeared in two Bollywood films, naturally as the English baddie in one and a Russian gangster in the other. Ladies and gentlemen, the man of the hour, the guy I want to be when I grow up, Monty Mumford. Evening, Dan. How are you, man? It's been ages, bro. Good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm recovering, actually. I broke two ribs and cracked a bone in my back. Uh, two ribs and a bone in your back. So yeah. you, you literally broke your back. Well, it's not, it's not as bad as that because what it was was that my boy uh, turned 18 two weeks ago. Uh, a big moment been, in a European man's life, yes. Absolutely. Somewhat less of the 21 one that you uh, positive <laughs> mentioned. Earlier, but it, but it's been an accident, an emergency, eight times in those nearly eighteen years. And I thought it was—I mean, he fractured his skull playing cricket, man. You know what I mean, playing cricket. Um, so I thought these days were over. Anyway, uh, I got a call from my wife that he banged his head at school. Uh, so I panicked. I drove my car uh, about ten miles over the Sussex Downs. Then changed A and E accident and emergency at the hospital to somewhere else. So I thought if I hacked it round the car park, I could just jump down this embankment. Uh, and get there quickly. And I was totally panicked. And obviously, I jumped down the embankment in the dark uh, and I slipped and I fell on my back. So I broke two ribs, cut the bone in my back. Uh, my son, thankfully, was fine. Uh, but uh, I had to spend six hours there waiting, 15th triage. Uh, and then I had to drive back on my own. It was very sad. And then because I of certain medication or whatever, uh, I got constipated, so they gave me some laxative. <laughs> and then four days after, I was basically wearing a nappy with liquid coming out. And then about two and a half days of that, I walked across a park. And it was like some Tom and Jerry cartoon where I had two sticks of dynamite <laughs> coming out of my bottom. And I just wasn't sure if I could get home or not. And I was praying, and I did. And I let it all out, and I thought, I've had enough pain. This is never going to happen to me again. From this point on, it's all pleasure. Pandemic, all types of other nonsense going on. It was a low point, man. It was a low point. So that's what's been going on. But I'm five weeks in now, and I'm, pr- I'm pretty much okay now. I will say, Monty, I think this is the most colourful 
opening this podcast has ever had. <laughs> so, so thanks for that. And 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 I guess I would say that your newly minted eighteen year old man, uh, I'm going to say he owes you one. I did mention that to him. I think I think I yeah. meant I think I uh, he owes me more than that. To be honest, he, I think I, my my wife bought me a. Uh, a Zenith watch after our marriage, and then this is probably about 16 years ago, maybe longer, 16 and a half years ago. And then I couldn't find the watch, you know, anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I went, we'd been away for the weekend, and I went back and I scoured the, the park at dawn and all that stuff, metal detector, couldn't find it. But we had a guy that was um, uh, painting the house, you know, and I didn't want to ask him, you know, I didn't want to suggest that he'd stolen it or anything. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, um, yeah, you know, how's your weekend, mate? You know, what, what are you doing? He said, what about you? I said, well, it looks like it could be a bit of a nightmare. I lost a bloody watch. And he said, well, it wasn't a Swatch watch, was it? Swatch watch, was it? I said, well, <laughs> well no, no, it was, it was quite a nice watch, actually. He said, well, I, I, I found one down in the basement. And that was the no. watch. So it's, you know, because oh. you could see all the kind of, it, it was like a two grand watch. I'm, you know, it's like you can see all the, it wasn't one of these stupid wank watches. Um so you can see all the workings on the back of it, but you know they'd all disappeared. Uh, so we finally worked out that my boy, when he was a year and a half, had just looked at it, liked it, and then just dropped out the window. So I reminded him. <laughs> I reminded him of that two weeks ago that uh, there would be a. But maybe when he's twenty-one, Dad, just for you, I'll, I'll send him a bill with the with, <laughs> the, with the make and model of the watch. Uh, with 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 uh, appreciation. Uh, I'll let him off that. I think as long as I can get the same type of model, that's fine. Because watches like that—they're weird. They just disappear. And I, I met—I went so—I went to some Grand Prix shit in Switzerland, and I met this woman that dealt in watches, and she told me all about it. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. What, 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 did she deal in anything else? Uh, I'm afraid not. No, Switzerland, <laughs> Switzerland, man, not Miami. Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh, all oh, right, all oh, right, all oh, right. Okay, all right. Well, listen, I know that you are a man with a million stories, quite literally, uh, and I have heard the tales of these Bollywood appearances many times, but I've actually never heard the backstory. And most importantly, I want to know where I can find copies of these films, because let me tell you what, Monty, I went up and down IMDb and I got the titles right in front of me, but there is nowhere that these can be bought? Or did you buy all the copies? No, no, no I'll tell you what happened, right? From the start, uh, <laughs> 2008, there looked like there was a storm coming to uh, to London, right? Like a recession or whatever. So I had figured my son was five. I'd been commuting for two and a half years up to London from Brighton. Why don't we just go live on the beach for a year? Get out of Dodge. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I just it was so obvious that it was all going to go down. I was working as a as a biz dev kind of director for a mobile games company. The iPhone had come out a year ago, basically kind of disrupted our business because we were a publisher and aggregator with the with the operators. And you know what? It was it was time to go a bit. So we so we went. Mm. Uh, we found a great gang. We used to play this amazing game called Sweet, where we dubbed it Sally Ball, which was like water polo volleyball, not allowed to touch the bottom of the swimming pool, like two two and a half meters uh, deep. So we're all super fit. Then we go for a drink overwards to the happy bar over the dangerous hill mm-hmm. where the you know the bandits would you know sometimes try and attack you so you'd have a stick with you when you when you went over on your motorbike, then across the paddy fields and then, you know, a few beers, whatever. Uh, and obviously a good gang. A lot of them were DJs, <laughs> As you, do. you know. No, no, top gang. You know, Russians, Germans, English, whatever. Uh, and so, you know, we had a good gang, that was it. But one of the guys was an old Harrovian, used to go to Harrow School. He had a kind of boutique hotel uh, just on the you know the backwaters of Goa, not on the beach, where people. I mean, I live in Brighton, right? So people come down to London from from London to Brighton on the train for the weekend. It's got a rate. It's got a racy reputation, Brighton, as a kind of you or, know, or some of us get on our bicycle once a year and do you that. You did trip. that, Dan. I remember you did do that. You motherfucker. I have done that a number of times. You're off, off your you're off your tits, mate. Honestly, I'm telling you. <laughs> a, a motorbike, yes, not a bicycle. Uh, anyway, so, so so the hour it takes to get to London from Brighton, or Brighton, yeah, to Brighton from London, um, is similar to get from Mumbai to Goa if you fly. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of people. Mace, the Bollywood stars will probably have their own shit going on, or they come down for New Year or something like that. 
but the the kind of level of casting agents and you know promoters and all that they'd be very likely to come down to go so anyway so uh so my man who, who owned the hotel he called me up um, and said do you fancy being in a bollywood movie and I said, well, I nearly was in a Bollywood movie about 20 years ago, uh, and my two mates were, because uh, they stayed mm-hmm. in Delhi, and I went off to, to Pushkar or something like that. My best mate was a cricketer, and we went, and strangely enough, we actually went to Wembley uh, in the northwest of London, and we, we found the movie on VHS that he was, a, well, he was just a cricketer and all that stuff, whatever. So anyway, uh, so that's what happened. Uh, I, I, went, I got cast. In, uh, you know, on a Saturday afternoon in Goa, the guy was from the London Film School. Was a really nice bloke. We're still mates on Facebook, uh, <laughs> and he asked me to read a few lines: uh, A in a dangerous way, B in a inquisitive way, and C in a kind of pragmatic way. And I, th- I think it was like this: was, this was the reflective one. It was like, now, who is this Surya Sen, and what is he doing inciting these ch- school children? I suggest we bring him in. That was kind of reflective. Angry was, <laughs> who is this Surya Sin? And what is he doing to incite school children? We bring him in now. Uh, and the guy, and I didn't move, right? I just stood there. And the guy, he just said, he said, Monty, yeah, you know, you've never done this before. I said, no, never. Never did anything like this at school. He said, you can move around, you know. You don't have to st-. I was basically wooden. I couldn't move. That's, I think that's where the phrase comes from. Uh, and so I got to move around, just walk around like being a bit of a wanker. Uh, and I quite enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? If then he said I was a natural and I was, you know, I'm sure he says that to all the boys. So I went back, <laughs> you know, I went back and he said, like, you're in the movie. It's like, what? Great. I'm going to be a dead soldier. I'll be on the set for two days. I was writing for the Sunday Times and the FT and the Telegraph about India. I mean, I can make a story about this and then hashtag Monty goes to Bollywood and all this crap. Uh, and then told my wife, you know, the world's a stage. I knew I'd be discovered one day, and I heard nothing. <laughs> I heard nothing for two months. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and then, you know, another mate of mine, John Pollard, he uh, he called me up and he said, he said, uh, it was like, well, I don't know, it's about 11 p.m. People's wife was out in the cinema, and said, um, they want you on set. I said, John, it's 11 o'clock. He goes, yeah, it's, it's on the border with Maharashtra, Goa. I said, John, it's like an hour and a half. He goes, just come. I was going, man, they're not going to find the house. The taxi drivers are shit. He goes, oh, they're going to send a driver. I've given them instructions. Shut your mouth. Things have changed. All right. Fucking chill out, man. So anyway, <laughs> so this guy arrived finally about 1.30 a.m. Um, and we stopped, got a bottle of brandy. We were both drinking it, you know, a 60, 70 kilometer drive. And the film was like the first, the second day that had been, you know, the, the film set was hit there and they had every famous Bollywood actor was in it. You know, the Big B, Amitabh Jim Bachan's son, Dapika uh, uh, Padakoni, who's now one of the best, biggest, you know, grossing film stars in the world uh, and all of this. So the, so the place was, mad. it was like, it's like a festival because there were so many people waiting outside, you know, trying to get a glimpse of these stars. And then when the taxi pulls up, the guy drunkenly rings him up on the mobile and then the director comes through this crowd of people and puts his arm around me and says, Monty, Monty, come on, man, come in. It's like, what the fuck's going on? So what they've done is I, I previously, you know, I've done, they realised I was quite tall uh, and could wear a uniform, decent shoulders or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, and he, he basically said, we want you in a bigger role in the movie. I said, well, you know, possible. Um, good pay me more yeah, just, uh, <laughs> and so uh, the thing with Bollywood movies is that they change every night the script changes every night it's not like you know some, it's, you know, you read that American actors will change something from Hollywood that you know, suggest to the director and these films if you mm. do half a decent job during the afternoon you get more lines it's, it's like something out of Rick, Ricky Gervais it's ridiculous <laughs> So anyway, so I went straight to set. I went straight to makeup. They gave me a uniform. They put stuck a moustache on my face, so I looked like a gay John Cleese. Um, and then uh, I had to walk around a, a blown-out building, um, which the ch- 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 you know the children gorillas had, had blown up, and just look around inquisitively. Uh, and I was there for six weeks. You know what I mean? I was getting the taxi there and back. I had my own trailer. You know what I mean? 
uh, and just sat there listening. No, watching. no, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> no, it's quite funny because it's really hard. That's not bad, huh? It was, not it was, bad. I was watching Star TV because you do nothing, right? Sometimes you do nothing yeah. all day, then you go back. And then sometimes with 10 minutes to go, they call you on set. Or sometimes you're on set all day. I mean, it was an amazing experience. And because it was Bollywood, you know, the, you know, just to learn how people did it, there weren't, there weren't any mattresses for people to fall on. They were just wooden boxes for stuntmen and all that. Well, there were no stunt women. Wow. Um, and and it, was, it, was, it was amazing, you know what I mean? And, and so whenever, I was, whenever they knocked on the door, I'd leg it, you know, leg it out of the, out of the trailer, you know, and go, where, where, what, what, what? And this, I'm not going to say this guy is he's quite famous. He goes, Marty, yeah? Stop being like a fucking idiot when you come out of the trailer. This is how you do it. <laughs> and and, he, and he, got, he went up to the tour of the trailer and had sauntered out down the steps, looking around as if he was the king of the world. Someone came up to give him an umbrella to keep him out of the sun. Someone else was offering him a cup of tea. He pushed the tea away or would accept some water. He'd accept being waited on, you know, like like a sultan mm. or something, you know what I mean? Uh, mm. So uh, I learned from him how to do it. So every time they knocked on the door, I just acted like him as if I was, you know, king of the world. I got used to it quite quickly, actually. It's like, I was just going to say, so so now now I understand where this whole demeanor comes from. <laughs> but but, the, but the, the, I was so useless, right? I was, I was rubbish. I was supposed to be a dead soldier. And then they changed the script because they wanted me to kill the guerrilla leader. The story was like Gandhi and, uh, you know, the Indian alleged, well, revolution would never have happened if it hadn't been for this Surya Sen guy in 1936 in Chittagong, uh, got riled up all these young kids, you know, sixth form students to bomb the British, but they made a mistake because they bombed the club on Good Friday, Easter, when no one was there. It was like the biggest rubbish revolution ever. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> But then they changed, they changed it all to, to, to that I was going to be shot, uh, you know, over four days, to that I was going to shoot the guerrilla leader dead. It's great. And then he, he right. was a, such a wanker, that guy. And he didn't get famous as well, which was great. Uh, he goes, oh, my dear, I'm going to kill you later. I said, well, whatever, I don't care. As I sat there <laughs> sipping my tea. Great, I'll be in my trailer. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely. <laughs> um, but the thing is about, about that film, it's just like I did those six weeks, right? And I, I led my troops to the house where the gorillas were holed up. They put gunpowder in the tree in front of me. Monty, don't look at the tree. What happened? <laughs> you look at the fucking tree. You look tree. at the tree. Of course. You know, so we stormed the house, you know. I, and then I, then I had my first proper lines, you know. So I, I was taught to speak in Punjabi. I kenny kate kate. You know what I mean? I had a Punjabi voice coach. It's like, Monty, this is your day. You know, you've got the voice coach. This is your day. It's going to be 300 people relying on you. Oh, fuck me. So this guy taught me to say this, right? So I knocked on the door. And what I've got to do is knock on the door, talk in Punjabi, push the woman into the room. Where two kids were on the side of the room eating rice. I kind of put the gun up against her head. Then I take it off and look threateningly at the children. And then I go back and put it on her head. I send my sergeant upstairs to see if there's anyone up there. Shots ring out. I'd been taught to pistol whip two days earlier. So I look as if I'm going to shoot her. Then look at the kids because I don't want to kill them in front of the mother in front of them. I knock her over. Then we all leg it out, get behind said tree with explosive, bang, bang, bang. Uh, and I thought that was it. Two months later... The director, you know, we're like in personal terms, rings me up and says, Monty, we need you to finish the scene. So I thought I'd done the scene. Oh, no, no, no. We want you back. Uh, we, want you to, we want you to come back today because everyone's going to uh, Mumbai on fr you know, Friday night to go to award ceremonies. But we want you to come, like, tomorrow because we want you to climb on the roof on these cardboard boxes, uh, walk across the Portuguese tiled roof, uh, and then look through the window and shoot Manish dead. I said, oh, fuck yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I've been waiting the, my the, entire life for this. The scene that I did with the Kenny Kate it was so difficult. I, it was 25 times, right? Take mm. 25. I forgot, forgot move my gun into the left hand, the right hand. I didn't walk properly, you know, all of this. Um, I'm surprised they had me back. You know what I mean? So, 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 <laughs> so, so, so okay, fine. You know. Everyone is hanging on me because they all want to get a flight back to Mumbai. 
So I climb up these stupid wooden boxes, like cardboard boxes, not crates. I get onto the roof in full uniform with hat and gay moustache. And then I'm supposed to walk along the ledge of the Portuguese tile roof, see the guy through the window, and bang, bang! But what happens is that my leg goes straight through the Portuguese tiles, right? And I nearly <laughs> fall 30 feet, feet. And it's like cut my Please tell me there's a shin. blooper reel. <laughs> no, 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 there is. I, I would love, I tell you what, I would, I was so brave, Dan, after that, because the leg was all cut. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going, get me out, I'm going to fall through. And I'm, you know, it's India, you know, like karma, who cares? So I pulled my leg out, and then I was going, I mean, you know, Ashutosh, you know what I mean? That's dangerous, man. You know what I mean? He goes, Monty, they need, everybody needs to get on the flight. You do it for me one more time. I was going, okay. But this time I had to go along the, the, the rim of the roof or the edge of the roof, and I had to go past the hole that I'd already created, right? So I'm shitting myself that the whole thing's <laughs> going to fall down. I walk round it. I get back onto the ridge. I see the motherfucker through the window and I shoot him dead. I'm terrified and I really want to kill him so I don't have to do it again. And what happens in, in Bollywood movies is they check afterwards. So they go, check it, check it, check it, one more time. Or check it, check it, check it, <laughs> over. Uh, and they yeah. say, check it, check it, one more time. Uh, check it, no, over. And 300 people cheered my <laughs> name because they could all fuck right. off on a flight back to Mumbai. It gave me a big cuddle and all this stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was great. It was an amazing experience. Absolutely amazing. Amazing experience. Well, mate, thank you. That That is more than I had ever hoped for. And now I am so on the search for this blooper reel. You tell me it doesn't exist. Challenge accepted. <laughs> but listen, I do want to get into a couple other topics. But before we do, I just want to ask you, what is the other thing that you've been doing during the pandemic? Yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's a great question. I think what I did is I took out twenty grand in cash, uh, filled up uh, two cans full of diesel, got access to a gun and a hunting knife, and I really thought we were going to go and kill each other. That's what I thought at the beginning. Um, you know, I took out all the savings and all that stuff, uh, and I've got two or three mates who did exactly the same thing. There's a sitcom waiting to be written about this, but uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, middle-aged men that shit themselves, who shit themselves. Um, you know, <laughs> and well, there's the working title. There you go. Six, six, six meals away. Six meals away from anarchy. Uh, so, well, everything collapsed for <laughs> me, Dan. Actually, so there was no conferences. So that was a third of the revenue. Uh, yeah. I'd arranged some consultancy for the rest of the year. I, I was probably more set up than I'd ever been in my life. I was supposed to receive between fifty-five and seventy grand because I'd helped a, a merger and acquisition. Uh, and honestly, it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every domino fell. Uh, I was I lost about 150 grand, right? Well, 100 grand. And then it was on the Friday, uh, the guy rang me up for the M&A. He said, Monty, I've got some good news and some bad news. I said, mate, Chris, really, I, I can't do it this week. I need something good, you know what I mean? Uh, and he said, uh, well, I can pay you in the next month. I said, well, that would be useful because I'm not going to get any more money for a while. And he said, but it's not going to be 55, 70. It's going to be two grand. And the actual fact is, sorry, it was, it was, it was actually 1.7. And I'd kind of factored in between 55 and 70. So, so what do I do? I mean, I can't just sit here. You, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I've lost all this work. Nothing's coming in. Everything froze. Yeah, so we set up Blockspeak, uh, you know, BS bullshit, you know, because, you know, I, I interviewed a lot of people in the crypto space over, uh, you know, over the previous three or four years, John McAfee and other, Brock Pierce, other, other individuals. So, you know, it was just like doing it at home. Um, you know, and, and it's a lot of resources, as you know, Dan, to do a podcast and edit it. You know, it's, it's, it's got, you know, we were looking for sponsorship. It kind of came in a little bit, but... Mm. You kind of need at least six months of doing this before you get any chance. I mean, we were on every platform, uh, every single, I'm sure you are as well. But it's so hard, isn't it, to grow it? You know what I mean? Same here. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you're, you're episode 21. So 20, I think that 20, for the past 24 weeks, 23 weeks, 23 weeks, I've been, I've been doing this. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm right there in the, in the, in the basket with you about setting up the podcast to keep saying, I mean, uh, I used to joke, you know, and, and, uh, I guess it still holds true. I, I've kind of, well, not kind of. I've massively cut down on the drinkings, but I, but I used to say, you know, it's just an excuse for me to have a have a drink with my friends and and hit the record button. Yeah. But uh, you know, we're coming out of lockdown now. I guess 
supposedly, uh, the world might be getting back to normal. But the reason I wanted to have you on, and you just highlighted it for me, so thanks for the segue, you have interviewed a lot of people about crypto, and there is a lot of money floating around in crypto. So if you don't mind, I want to dig into that. And first things first, uh, I was on a web call, I guess we should say, with you and, and a few other people a few months back, and oh, yeah. you advised you advised 60% Bitcoin, 20% Cardano, 10% Ether, and 10% Celsius. That's true. Is that still standing today? Well, I've got a new gig, right? So I would put Sienna in there. Now, I think you referred to it, sorry to, to point out mistakes, as Sierra Network. But, uh, Did I? I mean, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But I'm an evangelist, evangelist and core contributor to the Siena Network, um, which, right. which is, I would probably put that in there now. Um, okay. I, I'm probably under, I would probably change it a little bit, I think, because I've, I've done really well, uh, you know, in the last, I mean, seven, 700% profit probably uh, in the mm-hmm. last, yeah, you know, I think some money from the podcast came in, the, you know, sponsorship and just, you know, it's been 750% profit based on that, I think. Right. Uh, I think I would have probably put Ether. I would probably go 30% Bitcoin, 30% Ether, 60, 20% Cardano, 10% Celsius, 10% Sienna. Right, right. Uh, and that's that's that, and that's underplaying what we're doing at Sienna because, mate, the last three months have been absolutely insane. You know what I mean? Because it's, but- Hold that thought because I do want to get to that. Um but I, you know, I'd like we were meant to talk last week, so my, my questions are a little, you know, a little behind the news now. So, dear listeners, travel back in time with us as we discuss last week's events, which would be the Coinbase IPO. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, when they, you know, I mean, I have it in my notes here. Uh, uh, last week, you couldn't swing a dead cat and not run into either Prince Philip or Coinbase. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, and, and I was I just wanted to gather your thoughts, the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, you wrote a piece for City AM yeah. about the Coinbase IPO, um, and I'm not sure if it was in your article or in my research. I mean, but they came out with a $99.6 billion valuation. I mean, excuse my French, but what the actual fuck? But that, but that <laughs> what the was hell only, is that? That was only like the, the top number that was found. I mean, it's down to Well, that. yeah, sure. But I mean, who quotes a number that big? Well, I, mean, I think what it is is that I mean I'll put this in the piece, right? Is that it's all it's all very. I think I think with the with the IPO they didn't try and raise money with this IPO. Right. Well, this is what I find interesting as well, right? It was a public listing, right? Which you know I'm not a particularly mm. decent capitalist. I'm certainly not a VC, even though I'm supposed to be one. Uh, so I've got A level e- economics, you know what I mean? But I'm getting better, to be fair. Um, was the well. It, it looked to me as if this was going to be the high watermark, you know what I mean, of tulip mm. mania. I think, I think, I, I think. Do you know about this the tulip thing in Holland that where, where one, at one time, time tulips was the bubble was so big that one tulip was worth more than the the building of the house, you know, the, the Dutch Parliament. And there was another. Story, I did not know that. Yeah, there was another story that a sailor was in a house and he thought it, he picked up a tulip bulb, thinking it was an onion. And he basically ate something like five hundred million dollars. That was the valuation at the time. So it's a really, it's a really just tulip mania. It's an amazing book about how bubbles form and all that stuff. Amazing book, amazing story. Um, so uh, based on that, I figured that Coinbase's IPO, uh, they've got so much money, right? They do. They've got they something do. like two hundred thirty billion dollars under under what they use, you know. I've used Coinbase in the past to take out, you know, maximum capital gains to pay some tax or something like that. You know, it's it's eight or nine percent that you're charged every time you, you you do a transaction that goes into fiat such as dollar or, or pound when you go from Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. So they're sitting on a, a bunch of money. So it's not a stupid thing that they're doing, but I don't know many no. people who are invested in Coinbase in the crypto space. What's, what's the point? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I actually cashed out a bit that, that last week. Cashed out 25%. Yeah, of, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've used Coinbase and the way, you know, I have a few different mechanisms that I use now. 
but the way I view Coinbase is it, it's it's kind of the it's the gateway drug, right? It's the easily accessible. Uh, I can buy some Bitcoin. I can buy some Ether. I can play around with it. I can do some trades. See if I can make some money. Yeah. And in my experience, and anybody that I've talked to, nine times out of ten, Coinbase shows up at the at the top of that list. They've they've made a couple you know shekels here and there, uh, and then they and then they start getting serious about it and they go to other platforms. So, you know, one of the questions that I had for you as well is with Coinbase now being a public listing, as you said, I mean, is this is this the moment where crypto kind of grows up? Well, that seems to be the trope and the narrative, right? It's like, you know, mm. you've had all types of messaging for the last 12 or 15 months that institutions have moved in and they're making miners are going straight to institutions and all and all that stuff. Everything's being built up. You've got a scarce product, 21 coins. I think something like 19 have already been minted. You go to a hard rock cafe and you can see what rubbish people will buy, you know, <laughs> rock and roll memorabilia, like someone's fingernail. I remember being in Sri Lanka once. Uh, I think it was in a place called Candy. And there were so many bits of Buddha around Candy. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I see it's foreskin in the next place I go in. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, sorry, that's, but you, you know what I mean. It's like it's a little bit too much sometimes, and yeah, and it's just I think what it is with it's very if you're not a trader, right? You go to Coinbase. It's reasonably user friendly. You're supposed to be able to you know match your bank account. Uh, right. it's, it's easy to do. It's never easy to do. I've got mates that have had their funds locked for no reason. I had a friend of mine who had 40... I would fall into that category, yeah, yes. I had, a, I had a mate who was scammed out of 40K of Ether mm. last week. It, it was a little bit his fault because he gave away some authenticator code and all that stuff. But the, but the one thing that I would recommend, right, with Coinbase, especially if you're using it, and you know, because the other ones, Kraken and, 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 and Binance, they are difficult user experiences, mm. right? And then, yeah. you know, Robin Hood has made it easier as a mobile platform and all that stuff. But it gives, there's a couple of things that people need to know is that it's very easy to just kind of like press Coinbase. You know what yeah. I mean? The best yeah. thing to do is to bookmark Coinbase. So you've got HTTPS or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because there are people literally watching your computer if you do that, and it might say coin.base.com and you lose all your money. Sure. You know? Sure. So bookmark your exchange number one and number two don't have don't have anything on your phone it's the biggest most vulnerable gateway to any scammer i don't have any any crypto thing related on my phone i don't have a bank account on my phone i don't have monzo or Robinhood or Revolut or coinbase or anything because i've written about cybersecurity. it's it's so easy to hack a mobile phone and where should we not be keeping our password monty not on your computer, because I had 163 Ether stolen from me three years ago. At the time, it was 25 grand, right? Today, it's about 400. Someone fucking stole a house from me, right? And I've tried every way to get it back and, and all that stuff. So I was clever, because I have no drug No, I said I know drug dealers. And they said the best way to, to hide a message is, give, is to put it into Gmail drafts, it never goes across the internet. Give the other person the password and you find the message or whatever it is in drafts. It doesn't go across the internet. That's what I did. So with my 40 mm. carats of private key, I used to split it up into 10, 10 blocks of four. I used to muck it around. I'd leave it in Gmail drafts and then I'd stick them all together when I needed it. I'd go onto my Ether wallet, which is where, I, where I'd put my money because I wasn't sure about the exchanges being foolproof. And then I'd destroy my history, and then I'd put it back into Gmail Drafts. Apparently, that was stupid of me. The people that tried to help me after that point all said, do not have anything on your computer at all. Right. Mobile, right. laptop, mainframe, whatever. Never. We should literally be going back to pen and paper. Absolutely. You know, and, and since right. then, to be fair, in, the, in those last three years, there are, there are other types of wallet you, you know what i mean where you know you're given you're given 12 words you write down mm, the 12 words yep. and then you have to right. put in a conjunction of three of those words at any time you access your wallet it's much better now you know what i mean right much better. right well listen monty i want to talk to you about what you're doing at sienna yeah but before we before we do that 
I want to take a quick break, which means we are now at the lightning round. Da-da. Are you from... <laughs> Are you familiar with the lightning round? I've got no, idea. me neither. I've got okay, idea. good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you seven questions. Try not to think about them too much. Just answer as succinctly and as quickly as you possibly can. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go with the lightning round. Who was more fun to interview, Steve Wozniak or Kim Kardashian? Both dull. Was. Jake or Elwood? Jake. Spax, yes or no? Fuck off. No. What is the worst part of your job? Meeting wankers. The most favorite motorcycle you've ever owned? A Honda CX500. I even bought one in the summer. Stones or Beatles? Beatles. And the best live music event you've ever seen? The Clash, uh, the Halston Roxy, just after that gig had been cancelled twice. The wonderful, extraordinarily fellow cootie at Brixton Academy. And there's one other which I always forget. I think it was probably one of the Dylans. I've been, I've been to about 25 Dylan concerts, so probably one of the Dylans somewhere. Well, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the lightning round with Monty Mumford. We're going to get a few sponsorship messages in. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Studies have shown that direct earball advertising is three halves more effective than either video or print. So whether it's out on a run with Raph or falling asleep with Phillies, your highly targeted message could be right here. Talk to me at dan at selected.sesamers.com. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, which I know you're not, we're sitting down with Monty Munford today where he's telling us all about how he broke into the Bollywood film scene and got a lot of money stolen from him uh, uh, via crypto. But Monty, welcome back. Thanks for thanks for sticking around. Uh, and I and I should say thanks for giving me your time this evening. I know you're a very busy guy. You've probably got about twenty more stories in the queue to push out for City AM and Forbes and everybody else tomorrow. But I do want to talk to you about Sienna, your new project, the the thing that you're working on. Um, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around decentralized finance. Now, you said you had A-level economics level. I'm at uh, kindergarten economics level. So if you can give it to me and, and our listeners in the plainest, simplest terms, DeFi. I keep hearing this word. W what the hell is this? When it comes to crypto, you have the genius of Bitcoin. You know what I mean? It's a... Right. Uh, it's a, you know, a finite supply of coins. You could use it as an investment or you could use it to you know, speculate, uh, scarcity or whatever, but you can't do anything with it. It's not a platform to do anything with it. Ethereum uh, is something you can do lots of things. I think if you, you might have read about CryptoKitties was probably one of the first N, you know, NFTs, non-fungible tokens that you might have been reading about. In the last couple right. of weeks, these really ridiculous artworks, you know, being sold for, for digital artworks being sold, you know, uh, that's another story, actually. Let's leave, leave that one. Um, so, so, <laughs> so Crypto Kitties was, was taking up a lot of Ethereum's, um, it's probably one of the first NFTs, in my opinion. Uh, you could do a lot of stuff on Ethereum as a platform, uh, including ERC20 tokens, which are fungible tokens ah. that you can exchange in, in, to, in between. Uh, so you know, other 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 cryptocurrencies can create ERC twenty tokens that they can uh, you know put into Ethereum or to put into Bitcoin, so they're fungible and all of the, all of that stuff. So the the ecosystem that's being built that's basically decentralized finance anyway. It's not going for a middleman. It's not going for a bank. It's kind of peer to peer. You can mint your own coins. As long as you you know make sure that they're ERC twenty compliant, you can do that, uh, and then you can start building financial uh, products on Ethereum, right? That okay. kind of makes sense. Right? So that's DeFi. Is that is that you can do stuff with it, and you don't have to be centralized. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about DeFi. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people as one of these words like as I said NFTs that you know probably get a load of attention probably about. 18 months before they're ready, like 3G, 4G, 5G, or whatever. But it's not going right. away, right? But 
the, in the background, you, you know, you have Bitcoin blockchain, you have Ethereum blockchains, you have public blockchains, you have private blockchains, right? All these things need to be connected together, you know? And there's a problem with some, you know, some decentralized finance because it's a public blockchain and people can see your transactions, you can get front run at the last minute. Someone could kind of hijack your transaction. It's a massive problem. So privacy DeFi, which is what Sienna is trying to do. We, we, we work for a Senius based in Zug, Senius AG. We're a core contributor to the Sienna, Sienna network project that we kind of want to help turn into a Linux product or a Linux kind of protocol uh, of open source for anyone that wants to be in decentralized finance where you can do your transactions in a private way and anonymously without being dodgy. So it's not this Bitcoin gun runners, drug dealers, money laundering bullshit. Well, I was just going to say, is this a new way for me to buy my drugs? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a much more sophisticated <laughs> way for you to understand finance because you start to create bridges between blockchains. So if you can imagine, I don't know, if you're... If you've got a raft and you you know you connect a load of rafts and you've got a bigger stronger raft if you if you get if, if you lash them together huckleberry fin style mm -hmm. or something like that right you know so that's basically what's happening so there are other forms of tokens like SNIP twenty tokens that are now becoming fungible with ERC tokens so you're basically creating a world you know what I mean so so when someone creates a coin be that you know they create like decentralized finance coin it's a Beautiful phrases. It's like a token generation event, TGE, right? Uh, and then you have this. I think I had a token generation event last night. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. We've all lived long lives, Dan. <laughs> um, but the, the, the TGE is, is 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 when it's a genesis moment. It sounds like something from the Matrix, right? But when you start to create these coins based on the code that you've produced, um, and then. You know, early investors get involved because they, you know, th there's a certain price of that coin, you know, or that p protocol or whatever it is. Uh, mm -hmm. And with Sienna, Sienna is being built on the secret network, so there's bridges happening between Sienna and Secret. Um, and without, I mean, we've got some, some some pretty amazing news to announce next week, and I'd love to tell you this first. But let's just say we were trying to raise a certain amount of money in January, uh, and we were 800% oversubscribed. Um, it's it's an amazing story. I so mean, clearly, there's a little bit of interest. Well, no, I, well, absolutely. I mean, it's just it, it felt like for about two months while we you do a private sale, we're gonna you know there's mm -hmm. gonna be ten million uh, tokens produced, and you have a private sale of two million tokens, twenty percent, uh, where institutional crypto investors get involved. You know, and it was like it mm. was like the social network for me. I, I I've, I've spent years and years of trying to raise money for companies or sell them. Or, you know, all of this, and it takes so long, and it's so boring, and so full of bollocks. You know what I mean? This was, that people just knocking on our door from day one. We couldn't believe it. It was like mm. social network, Facebook. Ping, 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 ping. Yeah. Uh, right. So, we, you know, we're very happy about that. Uh, we're doing a public sale on two exchanges, Polka Starter uh, and Dowmaker, in the next couple of weeks. And then we will move forward with it and see what happens to the price of Siena. Uh, as we get mm -hmm. deeper into the technology. But we have enough money to survive for a couple of years. You know what I mean? We're doing it, not doing it out of the goodness of our hearts. Um, but de decentralized finance, I mean, that's what Bitcoin was, right? You know, that's what Coinbase was. And then guess what? Coinbase is now centralized finance. You know, so, that, so right. there are people that believe in banks and clearing houses that have had all of this to themselves for the whole of my life. Mm. I didn't. I wasn't taught mm. anything. I, I did a level economics, mate. And I didn't even check my result because I was an anarchist. <laughs> I, did, I don't even know if I passed. I'm sure I didn't. You know what I mean? But I didn't have any education in personal finance ever. You know, I don't right. even think my kid has, apart from the fact that no. it was his birthday a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't buy him crypto. I bought him some real gold. I put some money into his account. And I made an NFT out of a poem I wrote for him. I mean, that's basically that's all I can do, right? So that's what I am. I'm a writer and a poet and trying to understand the value of things. You, you, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But if, you, if you've got, if, that's the reason I think people were so enthralled by Bitcoin. The evangelists were not just, you know, people that wanted to, you know, fuck up people. They were just mm. bored 
of paying £1.99 to take money out of a cash point or £3.79 to, to, to use your, your cash point card in France because you never actually really had any option apart from do that, you know. And you've seen over the last year that, you know, I think I wrote about this last week, is that, is that most transactions now are digital. No one cares mm -hmm. how you, how, what, what those forms of digital payments are. It's like as long as you've got enough money in your account, right? That's all it matters. If you've got enough money, you can do what yeah. you like. You can pay with what you like. That's, that, that's not going to change. But I think yeah. the Coinbase IPO, you know, disheartened a few people because, like, yeah, it's just the moment that crypto goes mainstream. But the fact that crypto goes, goes mainstream is, you know, to, to a lot of early, early, early adopters, that's not a good thing at all, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. decentralized finance or DeFi, uh, as it's widely known, is, yeah. you know, Internet 2.0 or crypto 2.0. And you also have to realize that the, 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 the interest in this is coming from people that have made a huge amount of money over crypto mm -hmm. over the last 12 years, right? Huge amount right. of money. And they want to put they want to put it somewhere that you know yeah. is maybe from the original revolution and not just to change it into into fear or get ch charged God knows how much money by Coinbase for doing it. They want to put it into something else, and this is this is where we're in the centre of. And I'm not I am not a shiller. I'm not a type of guy that wanks off about my company or what we're doing. But I'm just telling you the truth. I'm an authentic guy. I think you know what I mean. Th this I think is so what too. I th and this is what I think is happening. I think so too, and and that's why I wanted to have you on here. So, I mean, Monty, to be quite blunt, mate, I'm 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 tired of being poor. Yeah, same. Should man. I be going all in? <laughs> Should I be going all in on DeFi? And and when can I buy some Sienna? Well, well, well you can. But I'll allocate you some tokens, Dan. Do you know what I mean? Don't worry about that. Um, I'll find out how many how many there are. I'll get you some. Um, don't don't keep your money in your pocket. Um, I know you've had good because I don't. No, have I know. Much I know left. you've. Listen, mate. I know. I know you've. I know you've struggled. <laughs> I'll sort something out for you. But but going all in on anything is, I, I think, a bit daft in these in these times. You know, what I mean, that's why I gave you the the spread of the cryptocurrencies that you should invest in. You know, right. I, I I could say yeah, put everything into Sienna. We, we you know we could be worth 50, 50 times what we are at the moment in two months, easy. Mm. You know, or mm. it could be pump and dump, and they might tell us to fuck off. You know, so so, and then there's always the threat of regulation hanging over you and all that. I mean, we've been very deft in almost yeah. front front using the phrase that we want to get rid of, like front running regulation. Is that you know we want to, we want to be regulated. You know what I mean? We want we want that. I do, and and that was actually something that that popped up on my radar. I mean, when when I was doing the research here, CNS AG anything AG. Uh, you know, a quick a quick search brings up its uh, register. The company's registered in Switzerland, yeah. and I was wondering: is there is there any type of benefit of a DeFi company being registered in Switzerland? I mean, to me, Switzerland is the banking country of the world. I would assume that there is the tightest and strictest regulatory boards that's possible. It, that's there, exactly why we have an office in Zug near Zurich. Right. Uh, this is where Ethereum uh, was founded. It's known as Crypto mm -hmm. Valley. That's exactly the reason why uh, other people in Seniors have, have, have set up in, uh, in Zurich uh, from, from Copenhagen or where, where they were before. It's because of that regulatory environment. We, we want to be protected and insured from future regulation by making it as tough as possible for ourselves at the beginning, right? We don't want right. anything to be dumped on us in 18 months or two years that you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that, you know, because we could be, mm. we could be, a, we could be a unicorn here, you know what I mean, really. Yeah. Um, and, yep. and so that's the, it's the very good question, and the reason that we're in in Zook is to be, you know, ahead of the regulatory game. We want to be regulated. We want to be uh, seen as a very reputable company, because that sometimes the reputation of crypto, as it's full of scammers, that is also true to an extent. But there are lots of intelligent, intellectual, smart revolutionary Wozniak jobs type of people around in this environment that really want to change the world for, you know, to get, you know, the, a, a, a financial world of inequality that we've seen over the, you know, that has come into crystal, well, crystallized over the last mm. 12 months. You know what I mean? Where some people, right. you know, are, are going to food banks and other people have, have, are just sitting on yachts, you know, playing fucking songs <laughs> about we're in this together. Cunts. Yeah, yeah, Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Well, listen, Monty, we are running out of time. I have asked at least two good questions tonight, and and to a man of a journalistic standard of uh, the that I hold you to, two good questions is good enough in my book. Uh, yeah, so man. I want to I want to take us out, but uh, I got a couple last questions for you, and I ask all my guests this. And uh, number one is, what is the one question you had always hoped somebody would ask you but never has? <laughs> Whoa, actually on the spot. I don't know. Um, why is your dick so big? <laughs> you, you, you know about Milton Burrow, right? <laughs> I'll save that story for another time. Mr. Mumford, uh, what are you most looking forward to? Travel. Fair enough. And Monty, uh, give me and our listeners any last thoughts. Any last thoughts? I suppose uh, lockdown is coming to an end. It's not going to be easy getting back out into the world. I mean, one of the things that I did down under lockdown too, uh, I went traveling. I went to speak at a conference in Pakistan. It was the most difficult thing to do with testing and apps and pieces of A4 paper and all that stuff. But my advice would be um, get on the road as soon as you can. It's not going to be easy, yeah. but you know, traveling isn't supposed to be easy. And I am and actually actually quite you know, optimistic that because travel is going to be so difficult for a year, you know, because of all, all of the things you have to go through and all the bureaucracy and, and, and all that, it, it will remind me of when I went traveling 40, well, not that long ago, 35 years ago, you know, <laughs> where, you, where you could actually get a boat somewhere, you know, and it took a long yeah. time to queue to get a visa and it was all a bit yeah. mental. Uh, that's, you know, I'll just get out of the world again, but only if you're yeah. cool. You know, if you're if you're a tourist or one of these people that found it really easy to to burn your carbon footprint and just go off and go wherever you wanted on EasyJet or Ryanair, stay at home. Don't come back into the world. We don't need you. You know, just you know, ossify or fossilize in your safe European home. But uh, if you're a good traveller, get <laughs> just come out. Let's get on the road again and let's see the world because the world's amazing. And I think a lot of people miss it, and I certainly do. The world is an amazing place. I certainly miss it, Monty. I certainly miss you and talks like this. I wish we could have a beer in front of us Absolutely. and a loud bar room behind us. Monty, take us out. Tell the old folks like me where we can find you on the LinkedIn or the emails or whatever you want. Tell the kids where they can find you on the social meds. And most importantly, tell me where I can find you on TikTok. Uh, TikTok, I'm a bit wary about using, but I've, I've received a lot of good TikToks. <laughs> Nobody uses TikTok. People give good good GIF, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Monty, uh, at Monty Munford on Twitter. That's M-U-N, N for Nora, Monty Munford. Not like that shitty band, Munford and Sons, which I always get confused with. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, not Snapchat. But, yeah, the, the, the top four there i've got a wikipedia page as well so it's easy to find what an idiot i am excellent excellent well there you go folks follow him on twitter not at munford and son and that's all the time we have this week this has been the selected podcast i am your host dan taylor and i am out of here That was very good fun, Dad. That was very good fun.